This is the Fantasy Ladder Podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, Steve, at Fantasy Ladder. This podcast is brought to you guys by the IDP guys um, from idpguys.org. So welcome back uh, once again, my fantasy football friends and family. Let's climb the ladder of fantasy football together. Today, we have an enormous show for you, uh, continuing our fan base series, uh, where we're covering as many teams as we can before the start of the season, uh, bringing you some of my favorites from the fantasy football community uh, to talk about their favorite teams. And again, we are doing this just to add a little bit more depth and a little bit more heart to the discussion, because I might not be as plugged in or as involved with the team as I am with my own. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to bring in our guests one by one as we cover the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to bring in to start uh, Jeff Bell. You can find him on Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. Uh, he is the dynasty lead at Football Guys. You can watch him on the Devi Royale, and he is involved in the ECR at Fantasy Pros. So Jeff, how you doing? And how long have you been a Bill? How long have you been a Bills fan? I'm doing great, Steve. And, you know, I, I'm doing fantastic. Excited to be here. It, definitely excited about to talk about the Bills. These are one of those things that, you know, occasionally these things pop up where you can kind of flip that card from being a fantasy analyst to being a fan. And, you know, I've been a Buffalo Bills fan dating back now. Gosh, a uh, good part of 30 years, I guess. Maybe even more than that. I'm hitting my late 30s. I grew up in Northwest Ohio. I grew up, uh, you know, kind of Lions, Browns territory, but I none, none of them never felt natural. And I hooked on to the Buffalo Bills, the I think they were back called the feuding bills back then the Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed. Those were my guys. And, you know, I played them as Tecmo Super Bowl all the time. Loved the colors, loved everything about the team, the fan base. And I think that despite not being a Buffalo resident, I have earned my standing as a Buffalo fan given the last 20 years of heartbreak up until this point in time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I was, I was meaning to ask you about that where you were uh, regionally. Cause I know just from interacting with you that you're an Ohio state fan. So we'll try to yes. keep the peace here tonight. Yes. Um, but either way, I was curious about, about the origin of that and uh, some areas of the country. It's just kind of like, there might not be a team so close, like growing up outside of Philadelphia, it's very territorial. A lot of the Northeast is like that Boston, New York, Philly. So uh, you like those teams, you know, unless you're, unless you don't want to live in the house you grew up in basically, you know, so I was just curious about yeah. that, but that's great. Uh, I appreciate you being on. Hey, I'm All fantastic. Right. Excited to be here. Perfect. Perfect. And now we're going to bring on Victoria. You can find her on Twitter at FFB underscore Victoria. She's a contributor at Football Guys. So Victoria, how you doing and how long have you been a Bills fan? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Jeff is my fellow football guy. Excited to be on here with y'all. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've been a Bills fan my whole life, but uh, it started on the high school, college cusp where I just started going to a bunch of home openers and games. I'm from Buffalo, so I was going to a bunch of games with my college oh, buddies. Perfect. My guy friends are, were diehards before I was, and we'd take a huge yellow school bus to all the games, the home openers, and just tailgate it you know, seven, eight in the morning waiting in the bus for the bus lot to open. So just been a diehard since then. And uh, yeah. And I also got into fantasy because the bills were bad and I just wanted to stop crying. And now I don't have to cry. Now I get to be a fantasy player and an awesome bills man now that we're good. So I love that. Yeah. That the, there are those seasons where you can always fall back and enjoy, well, hopefully enjoy your fantasy teams if the bills aren't so hot or vice versa, <laughs> you know, and if both teams are winning, well, then that's just like, even better, right? So exactly. 
That's awesome. That's great. Well, I appreciate you having having you on. And we will come to our next guest. We have Petey Stitz. You can find him on Twitter at Petey underscore Stitz. Uh, he is a contributor at Fantasy Alarm and at FC Fantasy Sports and was a division mate of mine uh, back in the Scott Fish Bowl uh, last year in the Beatles division. So to represent the Beatles division, Pete, how you doing? And how long have you been a Bills fan? Uh, I am great. Um, I'm actually wearing my uh, Bills Abbey Road mock shirt. Shout out to uh, Brenna Callahan for this one. But uh, just to Perfect. combine the Bills with uh, the Beatles, uh, I did that on purpose. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm doing great. I have been a Bills fan for, again, my entire life. You could basically just take parts of both uh, Victoria and Jeff's stories and, and make mine as well. Uh, I got into fantasy to stop crying. I'll, I'll admit, I was a grown man crying. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I was two or three years old. My grandmother was making me memorize the jersey numbers with the players' names. I mean, it was just, the Bills are in my blood, you know? So uh, uh, my, one of my earliest memories, unfortunately, is actually watching Wide Right. It's like, it's just oh, in okay. there. So. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, it is one of those fan bases where they've had a lot of, um, you know, sad seasons and a lot of heartbreaking ends to the seasons, uh, including the past one, which we will definitely uh, be getting into here shortly. But again, Petey, it's great. Great to have you on. And uh, thank you for having me. To, yeah, you got it. Of course. And we have Skyler at the FF Buffalo. He is a ranker at Fantasy Pros and part of the great crew at JWB underscore FF here at the Fantasy Ladder Podcast. We are big fans of JWB. So Skyler, how you doing? And how long have you been a Bills fan? Good. I'm glad to be here. I've been a Bills fan my whole life uh, from Syracuse, so upstate New York. Went to, went to college in Rochester. So uh, growing up, it was, we were probably four hours from, from New England, so there was some New England fans, some Buffalo fans, and then growing up for me personally is people people who are either Giants or Steelers fans because they were the teams winning at the time. But that's that's pretty much the choice. You got the college, and it was it was all like minded minds like me, Buffalo, other people who grew up every Sunday watching the game, and then you hope the night game is something that's redeemable. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> You know, right, right. Uh, so Mondays, Mondays, the last couple of seasons have been so much better when you can when you can go to work, you can go to your whatever you have going on to start your weekend. Uh, you don't have to hang your head and hope no one no one says anything. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, there, there definitely were those phases for myself as an Eagles fan, although they have been fairly successful um, over the last couple of decades, but there were still some of those seasons where you see what, what, what Chip Kelly was doing and you just want to hang your head in shame. So I, I definitely know what, what that is like to, to a certain degree, but uh, Skylar, it's great to have you on and uh, looking forward to chopping it up. And we have Brett. You can find Brett on Twitter at B Schwartz. 319. He is a contributor at Fantasy Rounders and at the Sleeper Wire Show. So, Brett, how you doing and how long have you been a Bills fan? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad you guys invited me. This is my first time speaking live. Um, so that's well, let's go. Nice to be with all you guys. Um, I've been a Bills fan since the Flutie era. Uh, you know, Flutie Magic, Flutie Flakes. It was uh definitely uh opening to the heartbreak, you know, the Music City Miracle. So heartbreak from the start, 
uh, makes these last few years that much more special. Uh, working at David M's card row when I was younger, I was definitely around sports cards. Uh, everyone there loved doing fantasy sports. That's how I got into it and just kind of rolled from there. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, I, I saw some of your pictures from the Scott Fishbowl 12 uh, live draft in Buffalo. That looked like it was an awesome time sitting close there to, to Pete and Zachary Kruger. And I think um, Victoria was there as well. How, how was that? That looked awesome. It was a surreal experience. Uh, Thurman Thomas is such a down-to-earth person. Um, my wife and son were there as well, and he talked to my son and wife pretty much more than me when we, uh, you know, <laughs> snuffed him out. Uh, his wife is real down to earth and just super cool to raise all that money for his foundation. That's awesome. I, I love to hear that. Yeah. There have been a couple of occasions where I've met like um, some, some players on the Eagles at different events and things. The one was um, Brian Dawkins and his hand when, when I shook it just like swallowed like my hand and like half my arm. It was like a really like strange experience, but same thing beast on the field, but, Super sweet in person. This is the it's a it's an yeah, interesting uh yeah, so it's such an interesting uh type of a, a moment, you know, to kind of see these people in that way. But appreciate you having you on and glad uh that this could be your first time. So so we're gonna have a lot of fun today. All right. Absolutely. All right. And last but certainly not least, we have Jeremy at Pope's FF. H. He is an analyst at FTN Fantasy and the King of Rookie Prospect threads. So Jeremy, how you doing? And how long have you been a Bills fan? Muted. I was muted. Don't mind me. Um, I am doing well. Um, I've been a Bills fan since, uh, let's see, 31 years now. So since I was born. Uh, Perfect. I have nice little little onesie pictures of me and Bills stuff. Um, I was alive for all the Super Bowl heartbreak. Don't remember it because I was only like one. So, you know. But yeah, so basically my whole life, uh, I'm from Buffalo, so it's kind of just built into me. So, you know, born and raised and still living here. So, but yeah, I'm good. Ready to uh, talk some football and, you know, break down the greatest franchise in the NFL. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely seems like the Bills at, at this stage, I would think, are, are Super Bowl contenders, you know, um, but it it seemed that that way to a certain degree last year uh so so we are just gonna recap uh the the 2021 season here and then sort of carry on through the off season and then look ahead to the 2022 season um so last season uh josh allen continued uh to dominate and the bills finished the regular season with 11 and 6 record they were afc east champs of course they beat the rival new england patriots in the wild card round of the playoffs but lost in a wild and highly entertaining game against the chiefs uh but ended the game and season in a brutally devastating fashion uh, the nf the nfl's overtime rules showed just how nightmarish they can be as the chiefs won uh, the coin toss and march down the field to score without giving Josh Allen and the Bills offense a chance to even up the score, uh, which had really been happening all game long. Uh, really just one of the most clutch performances I, I can remember in a long time. It was just was an unbelievable game. Um, more on that in a bit. The Bills now uh, will go into this current season without longtime offensive coordinator Brian Dabble as he was hired by the New York Giants uh, as uh, to be their head coach. Uh, Dabble has been the offensive coordinator for all of Josh's Allen, Josh Allen's career at this point. 
Then Ken Dorsey gets promoted from the QB coach to the offensive coordinator. So there's plenty of continuity in the offensive system. But it was long overdue, but the NFL did change the overtime rules, at least for now, uh, specifically for contests that occur in the playoffs. Now, each team will get an opportunity to have possession of the football, where essentially, if the game remains tied after each team holds one position, holds one possession, then sudden death rules will apply and the next score will win the game. So, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts on the rule change and what do you believe would be the most ideal method for avoiding ties? The rule change was needed. You know, I think that when you look across sports, football was really the only one that didn't involve a portion of the team potentially in overtime. You know, and I think that baseball is kind of a good comparison where baseball, you have a clear offense and a clear defense. Football is kind of like that. And, and it would be like if you didn't allow the other team to bat and if the other team, if the first team batting just scored right away and it, that, that would feel wonky, that would feel wrong. Um, you know, I think that there's variations of what you could do. I think this is the right landing spot just to allow both teams at least one opportunity to touch the ball, I think goes a long way. And then you, when you add in, you know, touchdowns, two point conversions that you can get some more different differentiation on ending drives. And, and so allowing for that was important and leaving it not up to a coin toss as, as we saw, um, you know, I, I know that they kind of, they went halfway a couple years back when they changed it so that if you get a field goal, the other team is able to answer the field goal. I don't quite understand why they didn't go all the way on making it a touchdown, but I'm happy to see that they did that. I'm happy that, you know, I as big a college fan as we are, as I am, and we talked about Ohio State, about Penn State at the beginning of the show, uh, I didn't, didn't really want them to go all the way down that because I think that that becomes a very different game. Whereas having to force a team to drive the entire length of the field and, and having that defense out there, I think does make a difference and adds a different element into the game. Um, you know, it, it's too late. It doesn't matter now. And so it's kind of one of those things of like, yeah, everybody's going to ask Bill's fans of like their opinion on it. And we're happy that in the future that won't happen again. But at the same time, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I struggle. I don't know if the, everybody else here can relate, but I feel like I haven't even processed that loss. It's just like, it's just one of those that I can't even think about it. And and so I'm kind of a little bit nervous about the football season starting because I'm concerned that there's some level of PTSD when the first time I see the Bills hit the field. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it, it, it's it's a really interesting thing to be caught up in a game like that. I remember uh, in the Eagles and Patriots Super Bowl, the 41 to 33 game. I mean, I felt dizzy at the end of it. Thank God the Eagles won and everything else. But But I agree. Um, it just became just like, it was like the, it was like the, the, uh, the, uh, Dr. Phil gift where he's just like, you know, he like, doesn't like know like, where he's at. all like, you know, uh, this, uh, combobulated and such. But, um, do you think these changes should stay just in the postseason, or do you think it would make sense to have it be in the regular season as well? Bring it to the regular season. More football is better for everything. And so I think just allowing on, on a touchdown to allow that answer for that. Why not? You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Anyone have any differing thoughts on that? Or are we all pretty much on the same page? Good. Same, same page. I just want to add, like, when people ask me about that game, like, oh, like, how does it go? It's, it's like, you know, how would you like to be? Not necessarily on, like, I don't want to say the wrong side of history. I don't want to say it like that. But it's just right. like on that losing side of that historical event. It's just like that that was the best game that I will never enjoy. You know mm. what I mean? Like that's that's what I tell people. 
it is the best game that I will never enjoy because I, you know, I was on the, I was on the wrong side of it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I think, I think that's a really um, interesting um, perspective, but also just quite unfortunate uh, at at the same time. I can respect it, but I'll never appreciate, like I'll never, I'll never (laughs) be happy about it. I can respect it for what it was, but there's always going to be that level of just pain, you know, like just like son of a, I don't know if I can swear on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I say go for it. I, I don't want to be the, the the word police over here. So, but yeah, um, I think there are times where the the, the frustrations it, it just comes out, you know. So that's fine. Uh, so kind of shifting gears now, um, as it relates to the offensive coordinator change, um, Victoria, are, are you particularly worried about the departure of Brian Dable, or are you uh, excited to see what Ken Dorsey brings to the table? I'm not particularly worried. There were times when Dave called plays that were incredible. There are other times where I'm kind of sitting there scratching my head, you know, like when we're running the ball for one yard over and over into a brick wall. And, you know, of course, Brian helped to develop Josh Allen, which, you know, that's great. I'll be forever thankful. But Josh works his butt off, too. He did just as much to get to where he is today. So I'm, I'm not worried, first and foremost. Ken Dorsey was fully endorsed by Josh Allen a few months ago when he was promoted. That makes me even more excited about Dorsey's start in Buffalo. And maybe this will give Josh Allen a little bit more free reign. Maybe it gives him more uh, reign to do what he pleases, kind of like Aaron Rodgers, kind of that kind of avenue. And he's certainly going to be able to still take care of business without Brian Dable. But we do have a much more difficult schedule this season than last season, particularly those first six or seven games there. Um, but after that, it looks it looks pretty nice, I will say. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I obviously don't watch every game every single weekend, you know, so it's just interesting to hear your thoughts on on how um Brian uh, handled like, like the play calling and stuff. I wouldn't really know. I just think if they're not gaining a lot of yards on the ground, I'm just thinking because it's just Devin Singletary who isn't like particularly a special player. But it is interesting, like uh, the, the little nuances of, of when they would call this and when they would call that. It makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. But yeah, no, I, I certainly think that that Allen will should be able to take care of business uh, one way or the other, as you mentioned. So, gotcha. All right, so now we're going to transition into the Bills' free agency from 2022. I'm uh, just going to summarize some of the additions and some of the losses, and then we will uh, discuss that a bit. So some of the losses included uh, backup quarterback Mitch Trubisky, uh, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips, running back Matt Breida, maybe not the most significant loss, but either way, uh, for, for fantasy purposes in our real deep dynasty leagues, maybe we, we care about him moving on to the New York Giants as well as uh, not retaining uh, wide receivers Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Now on the additions side, uh, they did pay Von Miller very big money uh, to sort of round out that uh, defensive line, that that defensive presence. They did bring in uh, tight end O.J. Howard, which I think is a pretty sneaky, good signing for the offense. Wide receiver Jamison Crowder. And um, they brought in four guards um, and there was just a lot of movement on the uh, on the offensive line and the defensive line, uh, regardless there. And then here are just some fun ones, but likely irrelevant for fantasy purposes. Running back Duke Johnson and wide receiver Tavon Austin. Uh, so Jeremy, um, 
thoughts on the free agency moves and do you think the Von Miller deal will be worth it? Uh, yes, the deal is definitely worth it. Um, I think that Von Miller finally brings a presence that they just really haven't had as of late. Um, we saw it just last year when they drafted both Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau in the first two rounds. Um, they've been dying for an edge rusher that can get home. Jerry Hughes has always had the pressure, just never been able to get home and get the, the sacks and the money that he really probably should have been able to do. Um, so I think Von Miller's there. I think he's going to help. I don't know. I mean, he's obviously not, you know, Super Bowl MVP like Von Miller, but he's still Von Miller. And I think he's going to be able to almost be more better of a teacher to Gregory Russo and those younger guys that they brought in, AJ Epineza, who's still there. I think that's going to be his big role. And also he kind of, he's just a guy that knows how to get there. That's the Bills' biggest thing that it has been the last couple of years. They've been arguably the best team in the NFL the last two seasons. The problem is, is they can't get over that hump you know what i mean it's kansas city you know they can't beat patrick mahomes you know this year they were close i mean you know 13 seconds away you know a couple of coaching errors and a missed supposed to be squib kick and they probably would have won you know they probably could have been in the super bowl and probably would have won i'm just saying but i do think that the underrating signings um somewhat is that uh, defensive line like you had mentioned there um i think that jordan phillips coming back I think Shaq Lawson, all these guys that they're bringing in, it's something that they've done very well with Brandon Bean is build the trenches, and it's something that they know that they need to do to win in the NFL. And I think that's going to offset Harrison Phillips' loss on top of Ed Oliver and all those other guys that are there. I do worry a little bit that they haven't necessarily addressed the cornerback position enough. Um, I know there's still some out there that I hope they kind of bring in because I don't know. I know Trey White's kind of on track, but I don't know if he's going to really be ready to be himself by week one. So you're really trotting out Kair Elam, a rookie who's he's good, um, but I'm not like set on him being like dynamite. So you're really rolling out there against some pretty pass-heavy teams in the first half of that season with Kair Elam as your starting corner, and then Teron Johnson and not really much else after him that's proven. So for me, I think it's there. I uh, don't worry about the offense. I think that they brought in some – Minuscule, you know, like you said, Duke Johnson, Crowder is going to be interesting. OJ Howard, if they change their offensive scheme, you know, running a little bit more too tight end could be interesting. But I'm not too worried. I think that the offense is going to be fine. They'll just, you know, they didn't need to bring too much in. Yeah, it's it's always is one of these things. It's like, well, not every year do you need to make a splash in free agency. It's usually uh, like like an indication that you already have a very solid core of a team which i do believe that that the bills have so i i would agree to your point that von miller just kind of takes them to like the next level to be able to compete uh not only within just their own division but also just in the revamped um a afc uh, in general just with all the <laughs> with all the movement that that has happened especially in the afc west um very a, a very fascinating uh division to watch out for but um yeah i think they have a very solid foundation uh plus with 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 the emergence of like a of a, of a mckenzie and and if, if gabe davis can take the next step uh you know it's very uh it's a very scary offense to try to game plan for um and then anyone can chime in here but uh was there any other positions or specific players you were hoping the team would have signed either on offense or on defense anyone just feel free to Chime in. I thought it would have been fun for them to sign Gronk. I mean, how cool those West Her commercials would have been with uh, him, Tasker, and Allen. 
And yeah, even on the field, it would have been great to see him, uh, you know, come home to Buffalo and tear up the middle and free up Diggs and and uh, Davis and McKenzie. And it just would have been a fun time. So they signed the wrong Tampa tight end, you're saying? <laughs> uh, OJ, I'm excited about it. He was, he's a great athlete and, you know, he had some, you know, tough times in Tampa Bay, but he has potential. And I think him and Knox can uh, definitely coexist together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I guess I just worry that Gronk may be just done, done. You know, uh, he's really has gone through several, uh, I mean, more knee and arm injuries than someone could probably handle in their lifetime. So it's like if, if I mean, if you're looking for the perfect situation to, to return to, to potentially, I mean, well, well why, why not the bills? Right. But, but if he said right. no to Tom Brady, which was just a report, you know, um, that may be an indication that he may be done, done, but I mean, Hey, that, that would be very, very uh, exciting for sure. Um, so, so we have Gronk, uh, anyone else, anyone on the, on the defensive side of the ball, you had your eye on. I think I was really hoping they would have gotten another receiver um, looking at a guy like Juju Smith Schuster. Um, you know, maybe Marquez Valdez Scantling is not quite there. Just kind of an experienced you know, Chris Godwin was my pie in the sky. Like I know that he's a Penn state guy, um, but be able to, I, obviously he stayed with Tampa to go out and get a experienced player who kind of would have covered that slot. And, you know, they did a good job getting Jamison Crowder, but to kind of level up that position versus kind of keeping that neutral, that would, I would have loved to see that or somebody on the outside that could push Gabe Davis and continue to develop that depth and really allow to take advantage of Josh Allen's arm talent, you know, and Will Fuller's kind of still hanging out there. I think Will Fuller would be a lot of fun to add to this receiver room. Uh, They've had, uh, Shakir has looked very good in uh, preseason, and I think that's kind of filled out that rotation maybe a little bit there. But I do think that they're very light on outside receiver, and if anything were to happen to Gabe Davis or to Stefan Diggs, that would be an area that would become a problem very quickly. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I almost keep forgetting about Fuller, and then I just like tend to like scroll through my teams and see like w- which leagues he's available to even add him. But I did actually pick him up in one league just like just for the heck of it, you know. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> I mean Buffalo would be as as ideal as it gets for especially for for someone like him who definitely uh has thrived, you know, when he's been on the field, obviously, you know. So he's got to make sure that is his uh fingers holding up i think that that's maybe the thing that maybe is holding other teams up at this point i'm not sure it's all it's all kind of bizarre but hopefully sooner the better he can get uh familiar with with the playbook and everything else so yeah i like that all right keep i keep seeing things about uh odell beckham Mm. and i'm not sure how i feel about him i'm I'm really on the fence about it (laughs) yeah he's not gonna be ready until well that's well that's like that's a big part of it that's yeah. that's a big part of it, and that's why I'm on the fence. It's like you know, but, but the at the point, same time, but at the same time, it's like, do you want that risk in the locker room? Like, I mean, the guy's a loose cannon. I'm sorry. Oh, cut it. He already proved that he's that he wasn't the problem when he went to LA and th- and did really well. So I'm not. I wouldn't be worried at all if we saw uh, him. And for a playoff push, that's when he's going to be getting healthy. That'd be that'd be just fine. With fair, I guess that's enough to tip me over the fence. All right. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, especially to the point about their um, cornerback White, uh, I think he got hurt mid-November, so that would kind of put him on track for maybe October, like 
mid late October, maybe at the earliest. I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of remarkable how these players are able to come back, but a player like that, you don't necessarily want to rush back just because of how good he is and how much he can mean to that uh, defense. Um, but yeah, so, so just uh, he, he's another guy to, to watch for. I know he was brought up a moment ago, but yeah. Um, a very interesting team. And I think that, that they did a good job in free agency. Um, I think they also did a very good job in the draft. That of course is the other way that you can build a roster. Uh, so we're just going to review the draft picks that they held. And then uh, we'll, we'll chew on that for a little bit. So in the first round at pick 23, they selected cornerback Kair Elam. Actually, this was from a trade up uh, with, with Baltimore. Uh, they were sitting at 25 and they jumped up to 23 and gave up a uh, fourth rounder uh, to Baltimore. Then in round two, pick 63, they took running back James Cook. Round three, pick 89, linebacker Terrell Bernard. Round five, 148, wide receiver Khalil Shakir and then round six, 180, they took punter uh Matt Areza, who was known as the punt god. Uh, so that was pretty fun. And then in uh continuing in the sixth and seventh round, uh, another cornerback, offensive tackle, and a linebacker. So, Pete, uh, what did you think about this draft class? And did you have a favorite or a least favorite pick? And ultimately, do you think they appropriately prioritize the team's roster needs? Well, I think they definitely uh, appropriated the team's roster needs, uh, number one. Um, as you guys were kind of discussing earlier, the uh, pick for Elam um, is, you know, addressing that much-needed DB um, situation. You know, obviously White, we just discussed, is out uh, potentially till uh, October at best. So, you know, you need somebody in there. Uh, we signed uh, uh, Saran, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, you know, just – you know, I, I think that was the best uh, the best player available at the position. Um, so I liked it, and I loved that uh, Josh Allen and Dawson Knox took into a Sabres game, I think, the same night or, like, the night after, um, because that's the kind of camaraderie that you love to see on that team. And that's why I think, uh, you know, such great things for this team, finally, after years of just, you know, having my head in the sand. Um, it's just that that little camaraderie that, that you know, Josh and the guys have uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I thought we were going to go defense again in round two. Um, the, the running back pick was shocking to me only because I guess I just, I couldn't read what the thought was. I thought if we were going to go running back, we were going to go, uh, you know, Brees Hall, you know, just kind of put all of our chips on the table and just get it out of the way. So when we passed on that, it was like, okay, we're going to focus on defense this year. And then they came back around with, with James Cook and obviously, you know, Dalvin's little brother. So it's like, okay, um, you know, he's got those credentials. Um, and I was on the fence at first, um, did a little research on the guy because I really didn't know much about him. Um, you know, so now I'm excited. But at the same time, it's, it, it's hit and miss for fantasy. If you want to get into the fantasy uh, opinion of this, because, you know, I think it's, it's cooking a dynasty. Absolutely. Um, but you know, anything else, it's a three-headed monster that you have no idea what four-headed, actually, if you want to include Allen as well, because you still have Moss and every, I mean, literally it's, it's the carousel of carousels and any one of those guys can do damage. So, um, you know, I, I it, it sucks, I think for, for Moss and Singletary, but it's kind of like, you know, the, the sum is greater than, than the parts. Um, you know, so, and then, uh, uh, you know, you gotta, how do you not love the punt God? And, and shout out to Linda. 
because we can't go this far without talking about kickers. Uh, we That's have right. yet to mention Tyler Bass even once. She'd be ashamed of us. Uh, <laughs> but no, actually, um, and I saw him. I saw him kicking at uh, at camp. I mean, it's the guy's got a leg cannon. So, you know, if we're gonna, you know, pin teams back, this is the way to do it and stick that defense on them. So I, I really did like the draft. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Yeah, sorry. This guy, wrong. this guy gets it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, it, it took a minute for me to kind of wrap my head around, you know, who we were picking and why. But after I did, I'm, you know, I looking at your question, like, you know, who was my least favorite? I don't have a least favorite. Perfect. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's it was so well done, and and to get Shakir in the fifth round, you know, we 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 gave up the fourth to Baltimore in order to move up for Elam. Uh, but still, we got Shakir in the fifth round, and like Jeff was already saying, I mean, he's doing phenomenal at camp, and it's going to be a fun, you know, first four years, hopefully, at least. So absolutely, yeah, especially with how, uh, to me, it was kind of whimsical how how the wide receivers went in in the second round. Um, to get a guy like Shakir in the fifth is like. Well, I mean, that's just like tremendous value as far as I'm concerned, you know. I was, uh, I was playing Steve Miller's Take the Money and Run. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I think as far as Dynasty goes, I think Shakir is definitely a good stash. He's definitely just like an ideal taxi type stash, right? Um, as far as James Cook, as far as James Cook is concerned, um, I think uh, I secretly just for the Bills offense and for fantasy f- football purposes, I was hoping that Brees Hall was going to be taken uh, there in the first round. I'm thinking, oh, a trade up like this could be it. This could be it. But uh, now it didn't happen, of course. But I, I am excited about James Cook, mostly because uh, I, I, for one, just don't think that Singletary or Zach Moss is anything particularly special. Um, I had a little bit more hopes for, for Zach Moss, but it just seems to have falling on his face again i'm not watching a ton of bills games so maybe you can explain what's going on there a little bit better so i'll just take the guy who is uh who was a pass catcher in college uh in a amazing offense that's definitely the kind of a road that i would like to to go down you know as far as that's concerned um but, but I think I agree to your point for, for, for redraft. It's kind of a big avoid for me. <laughs> um, I don't really like where Singletary is going, uh, even in redraft. Uh, so I would probably would take the shot on Cook just to hope to have like that pass catching upside. But again, I would hope I could get him as like an RB5, you know, so, so that, that, right. that may be possible, may not be possible. I don't know. It's still kind of early in that process because, like, you know, a lot of drafts just won't still even be happening for another three weeks, four weeks from now. Um, but yeah, so I, I like their, I like their draft a lot. Then to the point about the punter, um, it, it is tremendous to get these like elite players, uh, late in drafts that that can help that, that, that third phase of the game, which always gets overlooked. It always gets overlooked. Um, having a, a good punter is just a tremendous way. Like you said, uh, even if you don't use them a whole lot and that'd be ideal, right? Um, but to be able to have that way of pinning a team down deep in their territory is is just phenomenal. Um, it's just a really great way to game plan. But if they can shore up that aspect of of the team or, or in that phase of the game late in the draft with with, a, with like a sixth round pick, I, I'm I'm going to do that all day long. If again 
the rest of your roster is set, which I believe that the bills are in that spot. So I actually was a big fan of that, um, of that pick. And I did like a little like fist bump, you know, whenever he was taken, I'm like, yes, you know, like you said, like, like you love to see it. Right. Uh, so that's great. Okay. Uh, and anyone can chime in here, uh, but were there any other players you would have preferred at either of the positions they targeted or entirely different positions altogether? And if so, what would you have preferred? We kind of touched on maybe Brees Hall over James Cook, or were there any other scenarios at, at the different stages of the draft that stuck out to you guys? More O-line. Yeah, O-line, okay. Yeah, we struggled a lot last season until that maybe the last quarter of stretch where finally things came together. That's when Devin Singletary got some good run. I think he was running back three overall from like weeks 12 or 13 on. So they started to jive, but yeah, it's a little worrisome, especially seeing some of the camp reports today and last week, like they already have three of five guys out. I think I saw, and they were, they were struggling. Nothing crazy, not no crazy injuries or anything, but three or five guys are out, and they were struggling against our defensive line. So it's just, uh, I think the struggle, the big struggle though, was like this O line class. If I remember correctly, wasn't very deep. So like by the second round, you were really not getting. I think what was worth the buck. You know what I mean? I think sure, it would have sure. had to wait it later. And I think it, at that point, you know, you're not drafting really a guy that's probably going to start year one. So I think sure. they were just kind of like. I think that's why they they or why they brought so many in in free agency. You know, yes. they took shots. That, that was that. okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's yeah. that was their route. They were like, okay, this class isn't that deep. We're not going to address it there because they they tend to do that. And then you know, like they didn't address the defensive line last year when they went all heavy in the draft. You know, they kind of went a different route. So I think that's what they looked at. Um, but I do agree. I think they probably should have brought a couple more in just because that has been a bad thing for the last couple of years. You know, what I mean, in general, like they've had a couple guys roll through, but. Nothing crazy. I, I didn't love the draft. I'll be the the one that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bugaboo, I guess. I didn't love early in the draft. I think that they saw in the first round, I think they kind of had Trent McDuffie circled and thought that he was going to fall to them. And then they kind of saw Kansas City make that move up, jump them and grab him. And I think that that kind of sent them spiraling a little bit. And I think they maybe overpaid a little bit to get in position to get Elam, not it kind of, I think they probably had those guys graded somewhat close. They've said that Elam was a first round pick, but Brandon Bean is the type of guy to always say that with a later first round pick, he's got the last first round guy on his board multiple years. And, and that's kind of a, something that they've said repeatedly. Um, I didn't love the value on James Cook in the second round there. I think you could have gone with Richard White in the third round and probably gotten similar production or maybe even a player that can grow into a bigger role. I was a little bit frustrated on, um, again, going back to the wide receivers. I think Khalil Shakir is fine, but I don't know that he's a guy that essentially wins outside. And I thought they saw a handful of guys like, you know, if they they would have had George Pickens into this offense in the second round, if they would have been a little bit more aggressive there, or maybe a little played laid back a little bit in the first round there and kind of ended up there, that would be very interesting in this offense. I was hoping that they would potentially address safety and knowing that, you know, Jordan Poyer, we have that contract situation going on there. And this defense is so safety driven. Both of 
Hyde and Poyer are, I think they're both 30 years old now, but they're both kind of hitting that age cliff. And I think that there were a lot of value there. A guy like Lewis Seen would have been a fun addition to kind of build in there. Or, you know, your Penn State guy, Jaquan Brisker, landing there. There were a handful of guys that um, I look at some teams around them. I think Kansas City did a very good job of, landing some of those guys, landing Sky Moore, landing Trent McDuffie, and that kind of propelled them a little bit more. Um, Jermaine Johnson was a guy that was falling down the board that I would have loved to see them go there because we know that edge, that pass rush is a premium position. They bring in Von Miller to hopefully get some current production here the next couple of years, but continuing to backfill that because I think that we're pretty safe on AJ Epinesa is not going to be a guy that's going to be a high sack number guy. Hopefully Gregory Rousseau gets there. You know that they that would have put a lot of investment into the that edge position, but that offense or that defense needs it because that was one of the things that Patrick Mahomes had all day, both of the last two years in playoff losses. And so seeing the Jets grab him, seeing the Jets grab Brees Hall, those were guys that I, I really loved in that range. And so, yeah, I, I think they did a good job. I think they made up for it day three. I think landing that Khalil Shakur, I love that pick. Ariaza, I think that's a really interesting. You can pair him, just like Petey said, with Tyler Bass and go forward and really have those special teams locked down for the future. That That's a nice piece. But, yeah, the, there was just – I think they really got caught thinking that they would get McDuffie, and then they got – I think they really spiraled a little bit when they saw him go off the board. Yeah, that um... – <laughs> That that spiraling effect, uh, I I have felt that as an Eagles fan many times. Uh, the one in particular was, I believe it was 2014, uh, the draft with like Mike Evans and and Johnny Manziel and and things like this. I think the Eagles were were all set to take um, Haha Clinton Dix, and then the Packers took him at 21, and then the Eagles traded back. The Browns got Manziel, and then the Eagles took. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't even remember his name because he just was so bad. Um, he was like a first teamer in like the American Conference or something. Oh man, I, I can't even remember. And that 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 that's how bad it was. You know that they took some some edge rusher who was only on the team for like a year and a half. Then he got sent over to like Seattle for like a seventh round pick and just fizzled out of the league. You know, so I think the Eagles were all ready, and then they just completely like blanked out, and they still couldn't buy themselves enough time with, with the trade back with the Browns. But yeah, so so it is interesting. But um, at least like um, uh, Elam was like a first round grade. <laughs> like I, I don't think who the Eagles took in that in that draft was was anywhere close uh, to a first round grade. I think um, Kuiper had him as like a as like a day or a third round. Uh, value. Oh my gosh! I wish I Marcus Smith. It was Marcus Smith. That, that, that was who it was. A defensive, uh, defensive end and like edge rusher. Oh my gosh, horrible. Anyway, so no, I I do understand the the how that fan side can can come out. You know when, when these moments are are kind of frustrating. But I do like the point you brought up, Jeff, about um, not really loving the the value where they got Cook. I think if you put um, Rashad White in there, like around later. Um, I think that that would be very exciting as well. I think pretty much any skill position player that that was going to land in Buffalo, I was going to sort of kind of put up a little bit in, in my rankings or, or up on my radar. So uh, yeah, I think um, the Rashad White would have also been a very interesting one uh, as well. And then around later, I mean, you can't beat it. So yeah, I like I like the way you guys are thinking about it. 
Um, anyone else? A couple have, things yeah. better than what Rashad White does, and I think that's what they drew to James Cook over Rashad White. You know, I mean, Rashad White played outside a little bit more, or I mean, Cook played outside more, played the slot a little bit more. He's a little bit more versatile, and I think they drafted him for that specific role. We saw him bring in Duke Johnson, another guy that's kind of played that role. J.D. McKissick was basically signed and stolen off the roster. You know what I mean? They were looking for that specific guy that necessarily doesn't play full-time running back. You know what I mean? Like, I know that there's that potentially could get there, but I think they really like Devin Singletary. And I know, like, I'm not the biggest Devin Singletary fan, but I don't hate him. I, I He was productive. He did get much better. And the reports at camp is he looks even better than what he did last year. Like, Singletary's a decent running back. And I think what they wanted is they wanted that versatility. That's why they let Cole Beasley go. That's why they only brought in Crowder and they brought in Shakir. I think they're literally going to use Cook in the slot. Like, I know we talked they didn't Ooh. address – another wide receiver, but I could see them using him more as a slot hybrid kind of versatile player that he isn't brought in to be a running back. And I think that's, what's getting overlooked in fantasy is everybody's like, well, Singletary's there. Bills don't throw to running backs, but they throw to the slot. And if that's where they're going to put him, I mean, he's going to get a lot of usage. He's now the fastest guy in that room at four, four, three, didn't he run four, three, four, four, something like that considerably faster than the rest of them. He's what they brought Matt Breda in to do. Like there's a lot to like about him. I just don't I, – I know it was a little high, like Jeff said. I mean, second round is a little high for where he was, but he wasn't making it to where they were in the third. You know, they might have got white, like you said, Jeff, but I think they wanted that strict player, and they're like, all right, we don't like whoever else is here, so we're just going to take our best guy that we want, and it's going to be him because that's – I think he he's the closest to what McKissick kind of is at the NFL level in the draft, and I think that's really what they wanted. You know, it's a guy they could put outside or in the slot and run a little bit better routes – than White can, and I don't think they were looking for a guy that could transition to a running back. I think they want like that one-two punch and keep Singletary and possibly Moss. But that's just I think favorite. that's you're dead on there, and I think that you made a really good point. And I think that a lot of what you're seeing is you're seeing people try to figure out uh, how these players would fit in Brian Dable's scheme. And Brian Dable loved multiple wide receiver sets, but everything that they've done this offseason between OJ Howard between James Cook, they're going to be a lot more versatile and a lot more multiple than what they've been in the past. And you're going to see a lot more 12 formation. You're going to see Cook used in the slot there. You're going to see different sets. Isaiah McKenzie is going to be a breakout player so far in camp. He's kind of really seizing that slot role, and he's got a very versatile skill set as well. And so I think that really what they figured out at the end of last year is they kind of made Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox their core personnel along with Devin Singletary, and then they're going to use that fifth spot to kind of rotate out and have a different look, have O.J. Howard in that spot, or have James Cook in that spot, or have maybe Shakir a little bit, Isaiah McKenzie in that spot, Jim, or Jamison Crowder in that spot. So you're not going to see the offense that we kind of saw under Dable where they always have three wide receivers out there, a fourth wide receiver often rotating out there. There was not another tight end active beyond Knox. They have made personnel moves that they are going to look like a different offense. Now, they, the plays might not be that different because I think there are some crossover, and that was one of the reasons why they love Dorsey. But the personnel is going to look very different. Gotcha. Yeah. What was it, McKenzie, who 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 threw a couple of uh, touchdown passes? Was it last year or two years ago? So yeah, uh, it, he he is a very intriguing one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think eventually we're, we're going to need to have a chat about like Gabe Davis and what to make of him because people are, are pretty high on him, a little higher than 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 what I would care to 
venture down. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to him in just a little while. But uh, yeah, cool. So we're going to look ahead now to uh, the 2022 season as far as their schedule and uh, look at what we can expect uh, from them in terms of a, a win and loss record. Uh, so, Brett, uh, after reviewing the Bills' schedule, uh, what 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 do you see their 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 record being? Uh, do you think they can repeat 11 to six, improve, or where where are you at? Well, right now the uh, odds makers have the Bills at 11.5 wins. I can't get off of them being 14 and three. Honestly, I've tried okay. hard yeah. to bring for realistic expectations, but it's tough to find any trap games on the schedule. Games in the winter time where you know the quarterback's only going to throw for one pass and they're going to rush 200 times a game. Um, I think our losses are going to be against uh, Baltimore, who has something to prove this year, uh, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. I think it's going to keep us humble. I think we're going to roll through the regular season, but, uh, you know, we're going to have those few losses that are going to keep that fire going. Um, we are the favorites, according to Vegas, you know, over the Bucks, over the Chiefs, over the Packers, and, you know, that kind of worries me. I'd rather us be the underdogs like we used to be uh, versus the favorites. There's going to be a target on our back, and we don't want to get too cocky in case we hit some rough patches. But, um, you know, that bye week we're going to go against the Chiefs, I think – if, you know, if we lose to them, they seem to be the new Patriots to us. They're the thorn on our side. Uh, we'll go into the bye week and come out strong again, rolling through the Packers, Jets, Vikings, and all the way until the end when we face the um, Super Bowl, lesser Super Bowl runner-ups in the Cincinnati, lose out to them, and then go into the playoffs with a chip on our shoulder. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just you very curious. about every... the Lions. You know, they're going to lose one of those games. You know? <laughs> Thanksgiving. Right, they, they lost that, to the uh, Jaguars last year. Come on, let's be real, Brett. All right, there's going to be one of those games we're going to be like, I know there will be. I just can't pick it, especially not on Thanksgiving. I don't want to go, uh, you know, I don't want to leave Thanksgiving uh, with that sour taste in my mouth. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Let's change that. I don't want that either. They'll lose to the Bears. Oh, God, that's Christmas. Why are they ruining our holidays? <laughs> Just good vibes only. All right. No. Um, so, so 14 and three, I, I, I love the, the optimism there. Um, I guess I'm just curious just to kind of round out everyone's thoughts there. Uh, just, just what's uh, like a rapid fire. Uh, what, what do you think their, their uh, record will be? Uh, how about you, Pete? Uh, I, I agree with the 14 and three. I think, I mean, if I had to pick right now, I would say uh, I agree with uh, Baltimore. Um, I think, we finally get that win over Kansas city though, because I think that is what ends up driving this storybook season that we're about to have winning the whole damn thing. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's going to be like that, that, that pinnacle chapter, um, you know, us finally be on their turf, you know? Um, but I can see like the loss to Baltimore, uh, again, like a, a fluky loss somewhere in there that we're all just shaking our heads at. And then I would say uh, Cincinnati again at the end of the season, just because at that point, we're already going to have, you know, home field advantage. So the playoffs is going to be like, ah, throw in the backups and, you know, we'll lose to Cincinnati. But uh, that's my overly optimistic view of how the season's going to go. You remember we like did it. kick their butt last year, though, already. So. We don't need to finally beat the Chiefs. We have beat them. So. Well, you get what I'm saying. Oh, I know. I try not to think about it though. Just like, oh, you did we, wait, you said. Did we beat them? Did we beat them in Kansas? Was that in Kansas City? Or was that at home? No, it was in Kansas City. Mm. It was in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. that's when we were just... terrible. Because it was remember when uh, there was that nice little like jump pass sort of thing to Dawson Knox for like 90 yards. 
and they had uh, what's their oh, safety? Right. They were flipping out on the safety because he let him go. I forgot his name. Right. <laughs> Thirty-eight to twenty, we spanked him. Yeah, that was a good game. <laughs> well, we're gonna do it again. I believe nice. you, Petey. I believe it. I'm not. I'm not as bullish as these guys. I. I think like twelve and five. There are some of the the beginning of the season is really tough, and uh, I think I want to say we sweep the division again, but you get nervous. You know. I mean, that's really really tough to do. And Miami's on the up and up, like not as much as these uh, Miami podcasters have been running their mouth the last week, though. Just they're telling that. These Miami guys are saying, uh, "Oh, I'm gonna finish first in the division, and the Bills are gonna finish third, which is hilarious. oh wow, yeah, that's I want to call that yeah. out. I won't name the yeah. pot or anything, but yeah, that was hysterical. But yeah, I'm a little less bullish, twelve and five. But I mean that that that's still playoff territory. You know what I mean? So I Absolutely. think caught maybe more. I mean, I think that's still very optimistic, but maybe cautiously optimistic, kind of shave off two wins there. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that that's enough to, to win the division again and obviously have are, – are you predicting like a first round bye? Well, I guess if they win their division, is that a guarantee or or no, it's not. Just as the top not a two. Or just the top one team in the conference now. Top one team. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. How about you, Jeff? So, you know, I think Brett mentioned that he doesn't see landmine games. I I think the first three weeks are all landmine games because we're opening that Super Bowl game against the Rams, and that always kind of feels like a buzzsaw for the visiting team there. Then we're coming back to Monday Night Football against the Titans, who, out of any team in the league, I know we talk about the Chiefs' struggles. It seems like the Titans just have the Bills' number, and, and I think they've got the recipe to beat the Bills. And I know that's a home game, but that's one of those that, you know what, the Titans always figure out a way to win this this game against the Bills. And then we go down to Miami week three. And that's going to be – I think that that could be one of those where, you know, fall has kind of hit Buffalo. We're used to the, the 70 degrees, 80 degrees, whatever it might be. And you go down to Miami and you catch one of those 95-degree humid days and, and they get that speed on you. And, and that's a game that worries me a little bit too. But I do think 12-5 and five kind of feels like the right number. Okay. Okay. You, now I know why Jeff wasn't invited because he just brings everybody back down to earth. They're just we're all just like, yeah, go Bills. He's like, hold, hold on, hold on, like slow cold like, water. Is that, is yeah. that, yes, you know TV. what? I'm, I'm creating I'm that meme. Nervous. I'm creating right that now. meme where the thing like brings you back, and that's that's gonna be Jeff. You know, I'm <laughs> doing might... that tonight. I'm gonna post it at the end of this. Good I love lord. That. I, love that. I could even. But bring here's... A, I could bring us even further down though, if you, if you want. <laughs> Go for it. Let's go. I, I think I'm a Bills fan. I'm used to getting my feelings hurt. Let's can, go. Can I, pick, can I pick a range? Like, can I go like yes. eleven to six? Eleven to six, and then, or would that be thirteen and four? Somewhere in there. I think it's somewhere in there. I think Jeff hit it kind of on nail on the head there. I, I think that the tough thing for me is that first six weeks is without Trey White, and like yeah. I mentioned earlier, like you're gonna cover Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup with Kair Elam and Dane Jackson. That's who you're walking out there right now. I'm not too confident in that defense against that. Um, I know the offense might be able to get it done to an extent, but I'm not very confident in that game. Tennessee's a team that just always beats us. doesn't matter. They do what they that what we can't stop. They run the ball up the middle. The Bills just can't stop it. They've proven it year after year. They're just too fast and too quick. They can't handle that power run game. Then you get Miami. Again, you're going to be covering Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Chase Edmonds with Kyrie Elam, and Dane Jackson. You know, then you get Baltimore, another heavy run team. That's going to be a tough game. Then you get Pittsburgh. That's going to be leaning on Najee Harris, another tough run game against a really good defense. Then you get Kansas City. I mean, 
I don't think this is going to happen, but there's a very good chance the Bills could be 0 and 6. Like, I mean, there is. Uh, like, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they do no. win some of these games, but there's a lot of games on this schedule that we should probably be kind of worried about until they get healthy. You know, well, like. I, I was just going to say, the chair the we can't forget is that we were 0 and 5 in one score games last year as well. Yeah. So we're always in it, and just the luck did not turn our way. So we could have had a much better uh, record last season. But I agree with both you and, you and Jeff there, Jeremy. It's a tough, tough stretch. It's that. It, would anybody be shocked with that opening six games if you're sitting there at three and three and all these stories going into the bye? What's wrong with the Bills? They're a five hundred yep. team. You know, we thought exactly they were in the Super Bowl. Be. I wouldn't be shocked, but and, I had to deal with it for twenty years. I don't want to anymore. But I'm just saying <laughs> that then you come out of that bye and then they just don't lose again. Like right. I would, that well, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Two years ago, wasn't it? I think that's what almost happened too. Remember, I think that 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 first year they made yeah. that good playoff run that good season it was like that they, they didn't they go in the playoffs with 10 straight wins i think something like that yeah i think it was something like that they kind of started they were 500 or so everybody was kind of like eh, they're all right are they gonna be that good and then they just didn't lose until they lost in the playoffs yeah. so and i could yeah, see I something like that i'm not worried about the back half of the schedule you know like how pete and them said i i think they can beat cincinnati i think cincinnati's not overly great i think their defense got pretty bad their offense a little bit better and I think once the defense is healthy, they're much better. But the Trey White not being there for those first six games really scares me. And, I mean, I don't know his full timetable, um, but I just – I'm a little nervous. I, I think Jeff's right. I think three and three going into the bye, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but, yeah, I think, like Jeff and Vic said, like 12 and five kind of seems about right. See, I was just being overly confident that we were going to have. I would love that we were already we were already going to have uh, home field advantage locked up by the time we played Cincinnati. So it'd be you know it's like throwing Case Keenum, not Josh Allen, that sort of thing. If we're if we're putting in our starters, we're beating Cincinnati. So that's that's why I was giving them you know that loss in that situation. I think that I see what you're saying. I think the conference is too good for them to be the top seed. I I know they're very good. I think they have the toughest schedule. Some of these teams, like the Chargers, are going to have a very easy schedule compared to us. And like, besides their division, well, well I mean, division. besides their division, division. Yeah. Yeah. but the, the Bills' division isn't ultimately that bad. I know we knock on them, but like Miami got better. They're that. Bad. They're that. Bad. I'm, I'm ready to shovel some dirt on the grave oh, after what we did the right. Patriots. But I Zach Wilson is sleeping with mothers right now. The the Bengals though the thing about the Bengals is that we're all yeah we've got memories of them almost winning the Super Bowl but let's be real that they were a good Derek Carr game away from losing Week One or Round One in the playoffs yeah. and so I think everybody's kind of anointing them as this next elite team and there's reason you know obviously you love Burrow and you love Jamar Chase and you love T Higgins but and they did a good job dressing their offensive line but again that. They all of those playoff games were very, very, very close. And yeah, Derek Carr catches a hot streak. They could have knocked him out round one, and nobody's talking about the Bengals right now. Yeah, the the Bengals are such a curious case because I mean, just it seemed like Zach Taylor at their their head coach was on the hot seat, and you know, and I guess that there was reason for it. Um, just an abysmal offense. You bring in Burrow; he unfortunately had the season-ending injury, so it's just like a team with, with a lot of young promise you know but but but, but nothing to show for then all of a sudden they have this massive spike we, i mean i i still can't believe that the 
the the the season that that they ended up having. I mean, it was really great for them, but I really like it, it's like if you told me 12 months ago that that was going to be the I would have laughed in your face. I I really would have. I just I don't I didn't think that they were even going to get into the playoffs just with, with, with that division, but it's it is very strange. But but it is interesting just the the experience of fandom. Like like we, we, we've seen the, the the full scope of it here in this group, which I love. You know, you have have the real high expectations, which I think in this case um, is very reasonable as far as I'm concerned. Um, but then you have just a, more of a grounded approach uh, as well. But still, even at at its floor it's still 11 wins which is more than a lot of teams could dream of you know what i mean so i do think that 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 the bills are in a very uh good position i think anything other than a deep playoff run will will, will be um definitely a, a disappointment uh but just to kind of round up that conversation i will go back to you brett uh, what is your uh, level of anticipation like for the season? Obviously, you, you predicted the 14 and three. Is it higher than normal? Is it pretty much same old, same old? Uh, what, what, what's your level of anticipation like uh, heading into this year? I got to say the same old, same old. Though. One thing I'm worried about is that we are favorites to win it all. And I'd rather us be the underdogs that way. Yeah. If we do hit rough patches, they're not going to say what's wrong with the Bills. And if we start getting frustrated as a team, um, I like being the underdogs versus the uh, the favorites because how often the favorites – I don't know what the numbers are, but how often do the favorites really just steamroll um, during the season like that? I'd rather us still be the underdogs and fight our way into the playoffs and prove everyone that we are who they thought we were. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting experience because like last season – for for the Eagles as an Eagles fan, I had very low expectations. I did not think much of the head coach hiring Nick Sirianni. I just was very intrigued by seeing what Jalen Hurts was going to be able to do and see if he could progress. Then they ended up sneaking into the playoffs, which which was great. Uh, obviously, they had a very embarrassing um, exit out of the playoffs uh, at the hand of Tom Brady. But um, it's like the, the 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 when those expectations are managed, it just really has a much more pleasant experience um, in the middle of the season. And um, yeah, th th there's been some seasons as an Eagles fan where my expectations are, are through the roof. And then it was the year that, that Andy Reid was eventually fired. It was like um, really high expectations. They only end ended up with four wins. It was, it was such a brutal season because we, I, the, the expectation was just way more than that. And just was like, just ho like horrendously horrible. But I think even at worst that the bills are still going to be a competitive squad easily in, in the double digit win uh, category. So um, we are now going to be shifting now to uh, the fantasy football uh, side of the discussion. Uh, at the end of the day, we do want this to be a fantasy football show, but I still do enjoy just the basic uh, football talk too. Uh, so we're, we're just going to go around the horn again, uh, looking at uh, offensive players from the bills to target at projected cost. Uh, we can go dynasty redraft, throw in some IDPs, whatever you want to do. Um, and then players to fade at projected cost. So for me in dynasty, uh, obviously 
very into Josh Allen. If you're not, I, I don't know <laughs> what kind of a league you're, you're playing and where you wouldn't want him. Uh, Stefan Diggs for me is just going to be a target until he's out of the league. He's just is a phenomenal player. I don't need to tell you guys this, but for the sake of my audience, who at this point is primarily just my mom, uh, I just want to explain to her that uh, Stefan Diggs is just an elite route runner, just an amazing uh, uh, craftsmanship paired up with the best uh, quarterback in the league um, from, from from a fantasy output standpoint. Uh, James Cook is another is, is another player I'm very interested in uh, in Dynasty uh, in rookie drafts. I, I was not uh, shying away from getting him at the end of the first round, which I guess is pretty typical. But that was some that that was a spot. I mean. I even took him over like Christian Watson players like that, that that could kind of go either way, but you figure with the wide receiver, they may have longer shelf life of their career. Then redraft the primary player on the bills. I'm most excited to take is Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'm usually not going to come away with, 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 with the top um, uh, QBs like Josh Allen and redraft. I usually try to, target them uh, mid-season uh, by trading. So digs for me all the way. Uh, we'll just go around the horn. Uh, you can go either way. Dynasty redraft uh, players on the offense to target at projected cost. Uh, we'll start with you, PD. Uh, well, I'm a redraft guy. I like redraft guys. Perfect. Dynasty. But, um, you know, I I kind of like uh, waiting and, and – uh, I had this I had this conversation with Shane Barrett uh, on a podcast a couple of weeks ago where, um, you know, if you're going to target uh, someone on the bills, that that's that's it. OK, you can't invest too much because anybody's going to have a given week and you have to be you have to be wary with, you know, who it is that you are picking in lieu of who else you're willing to target uh, in your drafts. That being said, uh, I'm willing to wait and grab Dawson Knox at uh, tight end. I believe he's, uh, he's tight end 15, according to fantasy pros. Um, I know it's risky, but you know, if I'm not going to pay up for a Kyle Pitts, if I'm not going to pay up for a Travis Kelsey, if I'm not going to pay up for uh, Mark Andrews. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe I even fade Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, but now it's like mm, Dawson Knox or Dalton Schultz. You know, I'll go Dawson Knox. You know, so I think, I mean, I'm willing to do that for, for redraft leagues. It's like, you know, address your running backs, address your wide receivers, everything. And I'll wait and grab Knox. Uh, that would be what seventh round, give or take. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to know because every draft is a little bit different. Um, I actually haven't done too many single QB um mock drafts at this point, but, but, but the ones I've done, I'm either getting one in the second round or I'm going to be the last guy to get a tight end. So in that case, um, if, if I'm, I, I may even be completely missing that, that, that whole tier that, 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 that Knox is a part of and just going for like Gerald Everett or someone. But in that case, I would be wanting to make a move, uh, for a tight end in, in the real league. Um, but I like that. So, so, so you're in on Dawson Knox and, and redraft. Nice. And, I like and that. for the record, and I've said it before, I will die on the Gabe Davis Hill. So come at me. Oh, perfect. Okay. I will die on the Gabe Davis Hill. So, so you would be comfortable, uh, like drafting him as like your your wide receiver fleet as your wide receiver three or like a flex play. Like you'd be okay starting or drafting him to be a starter for your team. Well, if I'm going to if I'm going to go with my original argument, uh, I would say 
for redraft, I'm going to target Dawson Knox. So if that means, oh, I got you. Okay. you know, someone else, you know, grabbing Gabe Davis because they're also in on Gabe Davis, you know, that's fine because I would rather just, just with how the tight ends will fall, you know, arguably, yeah, I'll wait and I'll, I'll take Knox, uh, you know, at, at a lower tier. So, but uh, no, I mean, if, if I'm in, you know, if I'm in the, the fifth round, okay, best player available, and I need a second wide receiver, yeah, I'll pick Davis. Oh, okay, gotcha. But then I'm not taking. But then I'm not taking Knox later. So that's all. I'm, that's all I'm getting. At. Perfect. Gotcha. 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 All right. How about you, Brett? Anyone you are especially targeting in this offense for for fantasy? I've always thought Diggs had a good chance to finish as the wide receiver one. I mean, you have the number one quarterback throwing you the ball. Um, that's what I thought last year. It didn't really pan out like that. But uh, I still think there's an outside chance you can draft Diggs after the big guys like Chase and Jefferson and, and Adams and Cup. And Diggs has a good chance to finish as the wideout one this year. Um, after that, I'm willing to wait forever um, for McKenzie uh, if he keeps on dominating in uh, camp out of the slot. Um, he's younger than Cole Beasley was, and Beasley was a monster in the slot. Um, and even last year, I believe he went like 12 targets for 11 receptions and a ton of yardage, and he just blew up towards the end of the season. So um, we saw what he can do, and if he's given the shot, I think uh, he can be a league winner if you can get him in those later rounds. Yeah, just like the, just like the last on, on, on your bench kind of thing and see how it goes. I like that. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Jeremy? Um, so I can, I'll hit you with a couple, you know, uh, dynasty. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much in on most of the offense. The only one Pete's going to, uh, he probably thinks I have a vendetta against him after this episode, <laughs> but like, I just, I don't like Dawson Knox. Um, and here's why I, I, I don't think he gets the target volume. You know, I mean, he had 71 targets last year. The only reason he was really ever talked about is he had nine touchdowns. Um, I don't see that happening again. Um, I just, I think that the bills don't necessarily love the tight end position as a target. I know that there's a lot of weapons that have left and there's going to be an open opportunity, but like, I'd rather pay up for Diggs. Like Diggs is the guy. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen's going to throw him the ball, whether there's two or three guys on him, he doesn't care. He's going to throw it to him and Diggs is really the guy. And I think that's what people have to also understand with Gabe Davis. Like I I think they should temper expectations to try and fight fit him into the top 24 wide receivers, like try and do it, like do it, go ahead, pull up the ranks and like write them down. Like I just finished my redraft ranks this, like for right now, just today. And like, I couldn't get Gabe Davis in the top 24. I just don't think it's possible. I just think that Diggs is going to eat up so much. Um, But I do like him as like a dynasty asset. I do think that that Davis does get there. I just don't think that it's going to be this year. Um, And I really like the running backs. I do. I like James Cook a lot. Um, a lot of people don't, and I've been an advocate since he got drafted there. I just think that his usage is – they got him for a reason. They, they spent a second-round draft pick on him, and they've been telling us that this is the role that they want and this is the player they want all offseason, and it's because they want to use him. So in, outside of him just being an absolute bust in camp and something happening where he just can't get on the field and stay on the field, fumble, something like that, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to – be dynamite for fantasy even in redraft this year and dynasty i think that getting him that late if you want to wait on running backs is a really good option um yeah so pretty much everybody you know you name it just give them them all i don't care yeah yeah. take them all i'll I'll just all the bills out there 
and then well, no, I mean, you you want pieces on like elite offenses, like 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 Buffalo's. You know what I mean? So it's definitely not a a bad call. It's just a matter of the of the cost benefit, right? And I th- I think my main well, hesitation with with Davis would be um, to get him even as a flex play. You are hoping for an increased target uh, share and even just snap share, uh, which was below 50% in, in the majority of the games. But now with Sanders gone and Beasley gone, I think it's very easy that he could have a massive uptick in time just on the field. So I think it is possible. Um, but I would be more just from where I've, I'm seeing him mocked. It's just uh, the, it's like a trigger that, that, that I couldn't pull personally, but uh, definitely if, and, and again, I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite cause I can kind of project out on some other situations that could be way more aggressive on like someone like Kenneth Gainwell, who I think will have a lot more uh, role in, in the Eagles offense. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, it, it's a very interesting one, but I think because of, uh, how he played for, for, for the majority of the season in like a basically a part-time role. Um, I'd be willing to be wrong on him and that could really uh, uh, b- b- bite me in the, at the end of the day. But um, yeah, so th- that's one I'm going to have a really close eye on because definitely a, a very uh, popular player at this point is getting a lot of hype. Uh, so it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so how about you, Jeff? Oh, Real quick, go ahead. Jeff, last thing. But I think Brett hit it on the top of the nail there. It's basically like if you're deciding between one of these players, like you're between like, say, Gabe Davis and Bateman, like I could see leaning towards Davis on the basis of it's a better offense. You know what I mean? Like you're getting that better value. Right. Like like he said with Diggs, you know, all the same level, Diggs, Devontae Adams, uh, Cooper Cup, all those guys, same thing. But you're leaning on what's the better offense, the better quarterback kind of thing. So yeah, for sure. All right, now yeah. I'll be quiet. Jeff, go ahead. <laughs> So my fades right now, I think Jamison Crowder is going kind of a little bit too high versus what I see his role being in the offense. Um, I think the Gabe Davis conversation, it really comes down to that's an underdog ADP thing. And you you look at sleeper, it's completely different where you can get Gabe Davis in that draft. And a lot of that is tied to stacking Josh Allen on, on those underdog drafts. Uh, Josh Allen in one quarterback, God, I love the guy, but it is aggressive for me to think about taking a quarterback in the third or fourth round in one quarterback leagues, considering what you can get later out of the, the position. Those are really my only real fades on this offense. I'm in on everybody, but I'm going to pound the table for Dawson Knox here because Dawson Knox, people don't realize that he was a 200-pound option quarterback that walked on to Ole Miss and developed into a useful weapon in that offense that featured that offense at Ole Miss. They had DK Metcalf. They had AJ Brown. They had Elijah Moore and Dawson Knox was able to carve out a role in that went in day three of the NFL draft. And then, you know, he, everybody was really on him rookie his rookie year because being a third round pick on an open depth chart and, you know, being a good offense, sure, let's go to Dawson Knox, and he disappointed because he is very, very early in his developmental curve of actually playing tight end. Like, this guy was a quarterback for the majority of his life. Wow. He's grown. He's grown throughout and and produced. This for, was really the first year where things started to click for him. You saw him. He got eliminated. Those He had so many mental lapses. He would make the spectacular play his first two years, but then – 
drop the open play on, on third and five to, to move the chains. And that was incredibly frustrating. This was the first year where it really clicked in. He's got the video game narrative with Josh Allen. He's late night video game buddies. He's in a contract year. His catch rate dramatically increased. Ken Dorsey is coming in. Ken Dorsey is a guy who... At Miami, he played with Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow. Then he went to Carolina, and he saw Cam Newton have Greg Olson. They are going to use the tight end much, much more. And they brought in O.J. Howard because they didn't have a second tight end. And so Dawson Knox was caught doing a lot of the dirty work at the tight end position. O.J. Howard will be able to take care of that. They're going to mm. break Dawson Knox free. They're going to use him as a move tight end. They're going to use him in the slot. He is going to explode in this offense right now, and he is nearly free relative to where you can get him versus where he produced last year. If anybody watches the Bills, this is a guy that stands out that you say, let's get this guy the ball more, and that's going to happen. So I'm pounding the table. Dawson Knox, he is a fantastic value. He is the best tight end outside of the top five tight ends, most likely to move into that top five tight end tier. Everything is there for Dawson Knox to click this year. Jeff, I take back everything that I said earlier. Um, <laughs> it's just, this is like the scene from Dumb and Dumber. It's like, you totally redeem yourself. You know, like, I now I'm thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. Quick wow, that, that, that's more very. More targets. Yeah, that's great. Dawson Knox. More tar- more, definitely more targets. Dawson well, Knox or Gabe Davis. They're, they're going to be close. I think they're going to be close. Dawson Knox. I'll take now. But I'll being a tight end, so so essentially what you're playing here is the Gabe Davis bet, and you know, underdog, he's like a fourth-round pick, but he's going earlier than Dawson Knox, whereas if they're anywhere close in targets, Dawson Knox being a tight end is going to return so much more value than Gabe Davis is that wide receiver. Especially tight end premiums getting real popular, so. Right. Yes. Okay, okay. How about you, Victoria? Dawson Knox had a lot of touchdowns last year, guys. I'm just saying. Yardage per game, not that me, great. Me and Vic can be friends. The rest of you, and no. <laughs> Unfollowing all of you. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone's in on our running backs at all. I was just looking at the current ADP. I thought when camp started that Cook was getting a little bit of hype with some tweets from our beat reporters, but he's actually gone down to running back 38, according to Football Guys ADP, and Singletary is climbing running back 30 at ADP. That's still a little bit rich, almost in that dead zone, so I'm not not hyped on either of them. And we're all Bills fans, so we're all probably in home leagues with a lot of other Bills fans. Most Bills are going to be taken way too early for my liking in almost all of my home redraft leagues. Just be honest there. like It's going to be it's going to be a war zone trying to get any of those guys and people are going to take them way too early because they know that. So I'm probably not in on most Bills players. McKenzie's going to be rising every single day. I see a tweet from beat reporters that he's just crushing in camp and the longer that Crowder stays injured and out of the practice reps and lineup, then the higher McKenzie is going to rise and it's going to be really tough for Crowder to, to get back and do enough to beat him out. Cause he's just lighting it up out there. So I do like McKenzie. You guys already covered all the dynasty stuff, so we're good there. All right, very cool. Yeah, I was I just wasn't sure if you had a different opinion on, on any of those guys. Um, in this moment, I'm I'm very intrigued now by Dawson Knox. I was just was gonna kind of write him off and just scream like regression, you know, just like into the clouds. But um, I, I think again, when you're missing out on on that top tier of tight end, what, what do you want to fall on? 
is the top quarterback that the tight ends could be catching the ball from, right? You know, it's like Pitts is is a monster, but he's catching the ball from like Marcus Mariota, like gross, right? So it's just it's it is a very interesting um uh argument to make where I can do that for like the wide receivers, but I don't always do that for for the tight end. So now I have some I have a lot to chew on. So this is great. I, I was really glad that I was able because I, I want to be as less ignorant as humanly possible. That's a big part of why I wanted to bring you guys on who had just more of an inside scoop on these guys, uh, which is great because just a lot of the time, I, 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 unless it's a, unless it's a primetime game, I'm probably not watching a ton of Bill's tape. Uh, so yeah, it's just good to get that extra bit of insight. So, so I appreciate that. Dawson um, about 36 yards per game if you take out his crazy Kansas City 117-yard game in week four. I'm just saying I love the man, but fantasy is scary. So you don't want to see Dawson Knox get the ball more, Vic. You don't oh, you don't think oh, that, I, oh, you, you of course don't, you I don't do. Say, okay. Yeah, you don't yeah. think the Bills say that, you know? You don't so, think Josh I mean, say, maybe I, I throw this guy the ball a little bit more, you know? It's his, so, his it's hockey so buddy, his video of... game buddy. Outside of digs, it's so hard to just say who's going to pop off this week because it was not a ton of weeks. And then, like I said, 36 yards per game outside of that. It's like, unless he's getting in the end zone, which I guess that's what you're looking for at that point in your drafts. You're looking for a guy who's going to be getting the the end zone looks. So I feel you. I just afraid he's not going to. I think they go to the run game a little bit more in the the, uh, red zone this year. Because of the 12 personnel, I think you're going to see Cook get used a little. You know, I, I think that there's going to be a little bit taken off of Knox's touchdown production. But I could be wrong, and Jeff could be right. I mean, that's the beauty of fantasy football, right? Someone's got to be wrong. I love it. I love it. If everybody that plays fantasy football loses. That is – that's a great stat. <laughs> that's Three, great. Three and a half targets per game. <laughs> that's another stat. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I, I think got to up those targets. Got to up those New targets. York Giants now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ken Dorsey is probably a little bit smarter. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, I think I think we did a really good job of trying to see what the actual Bills team will look like in real life, but also how a lot of the weapons will will look like in in the fantasy realm. Uh, so I just want to thank you all again uh, for coming on, and we're just going to do a quick little round of uh, content plugs. So I'll just kind of name you, and then just remind the people where they can find you and your work, and then just mention anything that you have coming out or that you're working on. Uh, and that'd be great. So uh, yeah, we'll start with you, PD. Uh, where can people find you, and and what do you have coming out for us? Uh, you can find me at PD underscore Stitz. Um, I uh, do behind the scenes work mostly for Fantasy Alarm. So uh, I make uh, their videos look pretty for them. Um, haven't done anything since last football season, though, uh, in talks with Howard uh, right now over there uh, to see what uh, what's on the draft board for this upcoming season. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. How about you, Brett? Uh, you can find me at uh, bshorts319. Um Normally do the weekly waiver articles for Sleeper Wire. Uh, my friend Jason and me, we started Fantasy Rounders. It's more of a DFS, best ball uh, type we're trying to get launched. We're still in the workings for that. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, glad you're able to get your first show in here today. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see uh, be here with all you guys. Absolutely. All right, Jeremy. 
Uh, first and foremost, it was a pleasure. Brett, I'm glad I was on your first show. It makes me feel special. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but yeah, you can find any of my work over at FTN Fantasy, um, pumping out articles. I got a second uh, year scouting report series kind of going on. Uh, there's also weekly. It's a Pope's Pick 6 every Saturday and Sunday, kind of just picking six different players, good or bad. Um, and then, obviously, if you're going to be at the uh, Expo next weekend, um, I will be there. So looking forward to seeing anybody who's coming. And you can find me on Twitter at Pope's FFH. That's probably important. So. Excellent. Yeah, I did just want to mention about Skyler. Uh, something went wrong uh, kind of early on. It looks like he needs to have a conversation with, with his landlord or something. But I did want to shout out the team at JWB underscore FF. A lot of great guys there. A lot of great content, especially coming from Skyler. So uh, please do, do not be shy about checking their YouTube channel out and all of their articles. Uh, so now we'll go to um, Victoria, who, by the way, is a low key great singer. Uh, every now and then we, we get a little taste of that. So, so that's awesome. I was glad to hear that again a couple weeks ago. But, <laughs> but, but beside your your uh, fantastic occasional singing, uh, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, all my stuff's over at footballguys, footballguys.com. I'll be, uh, I'm on the Football Guys Mailbag Show every Wednesday, 7.30 Eastern with Troy and Dave. That's such a fun show. We answer any of your burning questions. And as Redraft gets closer, I know y'all are going to have more. So hop on there with us. I'm doing a Start Sit article every single week for Football Guys as well. So be sure to check that out. We are so close. I can't wait. You can find me at FFB underscore Victoria on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you so much, Steve, for having me, too. This was a lot of fun, guys. Oh, good. Glad. Appreciate you coming on. All right, Jeff. Send us home. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. You can find me with Football Guys, the Dynasty lead over there. A lot of content coming out, getting excited for this football season. And then you can find me in the Debbie Royale. And we have a Patreon there. You can find us Tuesday nights at 9.30. Most of our work is coming out through that Patreon. And we have guides that really walk you through any aspects of Debbie, college football, the draft. We're going to be hammering the Football Guys draft guide coming up. So, we're, that will be ready for 2023. So we are ready to go on all that. But and and again, Brett, it is fantastic to be on your first show, and it's fantastic that it is a Bill show that we are all able to join you. Um, I remember my first show, and it is very very exciting, and and I'm happy to see you making those steps. And Steve, thank you so much for having me on and having us doing this show and having us all on. Absolutely. Um, I really did want the 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 Bill show especially to be bigger than some of the other ones just so we could represent the Bills Mafia well. Um, just any of the Bills fans I've ever interacted with are just diehard, diehard, diehard. So uh, I think we definitely did them justice as well as everyone else who was looking for good uh, football and fantasy content. So I thank you all once again and uh, best of luck. With, with the with, with your bills and with your fantasy teams of course um but we will uh see you next time so keep climbing